My name's Tim. I'm the campus pastor here in our North Attleboro campus. We are one church in three locations, Norwood, North Attleboro, and Easton, Massachusetts. If you are here for the first time, we're so glad that you came to worship with us today. And I pray and hope that you feel welcomed and loved from the moment you come in. We want to say a welcome to our Easton campus that watches this message by video. They're over there in Easton, and uh, we're so glad to have them with us. Everybody in North Arbor, let's give them a welcome. Tell them hello, Easton. All right, if you, you have a Bible today, I want you to open up to two passages of Scripture, Colossians chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 6. Colossians chapter 2, put your finger there. And go first to Matthew chapter 6. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, you ha and if you have a smartphone, you can get the Bible in about 20 seconds. You can get on the market, the Droid Marketplace or the App Store and download the Bible app from LifeChurch.tv. It is free and it will give you every Bible translation you can imagine. I read from the ESV. And you can read with me. So if you have a smartphone and you're looking to get on our Wi-Fi, the password is Waters Guest. All one word, all lowercase. Waters Guest. Get on there. Get the Bible. Have it on your smartphone. And uh, really make that thing a smart phone. Amen. Uh, if you have a Bible. Okay. Matthew chapter 6. Here we go. Verse 31. Matthew 6. Jesus says. Everybody stand with me. Let's read the Bible together. Let's give honor to the Lord's word. Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans seek after all these things. The pagans run after all this stuff. And your heavenly Father, Christians, listen, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Somebody say, God knows. God knows that you need what you need, and he's going to give what you need to you. He's going to supply all your needs, the Bible says, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God's going to take care of you. Jesus wants us to understand this. Stop stressing, stop worrying. Your father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, and the admonition is this. Instead of seeking all this stuff, seek first... 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? All this stuff shall be added. Somebody say added. Added to you as well. And I pray, Father, that you will speak to our hearts. I pray that our lives will be changed through the preaching of your word, that our ears will be opened, our mind will be receptive, and our heart will be changed. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. You can see that it is up here on the stage. We've got some bags and some stuff that represents the season in which we are about to commence as a nation. We are five days away, five days away from Black, what? Friday. Here we are. It's coming. It's time to go get. It's, it's very, very funny. I always think about this, that we say thank you on Thursday and gimme on Friday. <laughs> 24 hours, we're completely different people. And it's like Wednesday, we're stressed. Thursday, we're thankful. Thursday night, we're fat and sleeping. And Friday, we're up and at them trying to get more stuff. I always imagine that if an alien came and landed on planet Earth this week, he would say, all I know about you Americans is you're a bunch of schizophrenics. Because you change like the wind in one 24-hour period. I mean, we are supposed to be thankful, and then it's all over, and we go and get more things. And I, I think that there's a problem with that. I think that there's a big issue in America right now that we have a lack of thankfulness in our lives. Because we are blessed. We are very, very blessed in America. And yet it seems that we thank or we are thankful very, very little. And there are some people in the world today, in America, maybe even in this room, who are going to do some crazy stuff for stuff. They're going to get up early. They're going to they're gonna go to bed early after suffering their turkey coma on Thursday night. And they're going to get up at 4 a.m. to go sit on cold cement for hours with a bunch of other vultures trying to get that $300 laptop or that $40 golf club or that, that unbeatable or believable deal that you just gotta have. I mean, people do some crazy stuff for stuff. There, there's something else that we do that's crazy. Here we are. It's fall. We are days away, weeks away from winter. And now we're going to enter into the season of shopping, the season of getting, the season of going out and spending. And some of us are going to do something really crazy. We're not going to let the fact that we don't have any money stop us. We're, we're just going to go to the stores with our magic little cards, and we're going to do this. Swipe, swipe. Swipe, swipe. We're going to just charge it all up. Everybody say that with me. Ready? Swipe, swipe. You say it again. Oh, man, that was terrible. Do it again. There you go. I mean, we're going to charge it up and, and rack up all this debt for the next four weeks. And then we're going to hit winter. And this is what I don't get with a lot of uh, New Englanders. Look, look, look. Everybody in New England. You know that New England winters are, are like, they are, they are tough. They are hard to get through. Can I get an amen? 
I mean, you got winter blues. You got sunlight for 4.5 minutes a day. You got sleet, hail, wind, ice cold temperatures, and you got this for three months. And you're going to tell me that on top of all that happiness, you want to add yourself a big fat credit card bill? You got to be kidding me. I, this message is probably the most important message in the Best Life series. Because this message is a, is a plea. I am calling out to you. I am begging you. Don't overspend this Christmas. Spare yourselves, all right? Spare your winter and don't fall prey to the I gots to have it mentality, all right? Because I think that our big money issue right now, we are in this series, The Best Life Ever, about money, about finances, about stewardship. Listen, we've talked about pro, uh, having a perspective. We talked about the rope. This is just a few years on this earth, and then eternity happens. How are you doing with investing then as opposed to investing now? Then we talked about that the first, number two, we talked about that the first goes to God, and we talked about the tithe. The first tenth comes to the house of God. And I want to say something to you, church. I want to say something to North Attleboro especially. Listen, you guys have stepped it up big time. We had one of the best offerings we've ever had last Sunday. You responded to the message. Yeah. You responded to the message, and you honored God with the firsts. And I'm proud of you as a pastor. I, we had a, what, was, what was special about last week's offering was we had a record number of people giving. Okay, that was the highest number ever. So God bless you, and I know when you put God first, listen, when you give God the first tenth, the rest is exceedingly blessed. You can't go wrong. Can't go wrong, all right? So we talked about that. Third week, we talked about, last week, we talked about having a proper heart. And I shared with you this very important principle that your heart is going to follow your money. It's not your money follows your heart. It's that your heart follows your money. And so wherever you put your money, your heart will follow that. You're, if, if you put money into missions, you're going to have a heart for missions. If you put money into the church, you're going to have a heart for the church. Wherever your money goes, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your heart follows your money. But this week, this week, the message is a proper attitude. And I believe it's... The, re the, the, way, the reason why I'm talking about this is because the biggest problem that many of us face in financial management is just simply having a lack of gratitude. That's really what it is. We are in the most blessed nation on earth. And we are living probably in one of the most prosperous times in the history of the most blessed nation on earth. And we have more things and more gadgets and more stuff than ever before. And yet we have more depression, sadness, loneliness, and anxiety than ever before. And we are living in a generation that is not thankful. We're just not thankful for what we have. And listen, this is the theme of the message. You've got to catch this. If you don't have an attitude of gratitude... You will fall for wantitude, and that will lead to indebtedude. 
Okay, okay. I worked on that phrase all week long, okay? That's what I do with my time. I work with phrases, okay? And so that's the theme. If you don't have an attitude of gratitude, you will have an attitude of wantitude, and that will lead to, somebody say it with me, indebtedude. I could only get one pocket out, okay? But you've got to have a thankful heart. Why be thankful? I got some reasons, three reasons. Number one, a thankful heart pleases God. A thankful heart pleases God. Every parent knows this. When you give your kids something spontaneously or on Christmas or on their birthday, all you really, really want from them is just thank you, dad. Thank you, mom. I mean, that's all you need, right? It's not, they don't need to pay you for that stuff. You love to give to them. You just want them to appreciate it. So does God. Okay, we're made in his image. And the Bible says in 69 verse 33, verse 30 of the Psalms, Psalm 69, 30. Look, he says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with what? With thanksgiving. And then he says, this, what? This will please the Lord. What will please the Lord? Thanksgiving. Praising him for what he's given me. This is going to please the Lord more than an ox or bull with horns and hoofs. In other words, it's not about what you give up or give to God as much as it is being thankful for what God has already given you. I mean, you bring the tithe, and you be generous, and you do all those things, yes, but this is very important. Be thankful for what God has already done. Because if you don't have an attitude of gratitude, you'll fall for wantitude and end up in indebtitude. I got to have it. And if we got some bags up here. We got some stuff. This is all represent, representing, you know, this season that we're entering into. And I want you to be thankful instead of wantful. Number two, thankfulness or thanksgiving is the pathway to God's presence. The Bible says in Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with what? With thanksgiving. And enter his course with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. You know, Jesus said, wherever two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Did you know this morning that you didn't just come to Waters Church? You didn't come to hear me preach. You didn't come to be with somebody else. Did you know that you entered into the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? He's here this morning. Jesus is here. I get, all, I get all people saying, who's coming to your church? How many are coming to your church? How many people is in your church? When I go to pastor conference, how many people are coming? It doesn't matter how many is coming. All that matters is two or three show up because that's when Jesus shows up. And when we come into his presence on Sunday morning, it's a chance to say, thank you, Jesus. You love me. I'm glad you're in my life. There's nobody like you. And we give God the first day of the week to start our week off right and say, I'm thankful for what I got. I'm thankful for Jesus' blood. I'm thankful for the love of God in my life. That's what Sunday is all about. That's why you don't show up late and lackadaisical on, G on Sunday, because you're happy in Jesus. You're excited that he saved you, and you're glad to come into the presence of the Lord and say thank you. N number three, listen, gratitude changes the atmosphere. I don't know if you felt just now when you th said thank you with a clap to God, the atmosphere changes. When we're thankful in our lives, 
the atmosphere changes. Because most of the time, we're sent messages and we think that we need something else to make us happy. And really what you need to do, here, here's, here's, here's a challenge for you. The next time you're having one of those days where you're just moaning and grumbling and complaining, and it's not going your way, you just sit down with a piece of paper and pen. And you just start to write out all the wonderful things that God has given you. God, I thank you for oxygen. Where would I be without oxygen? I'd be dead. <laughs> God, I thank you for feet that work, legs that work. I thank you for hands. I thank you for my eyes. I thank you for the fact that I have friends that take care of me. I, I thank you for my church. I thank you for you. I thank you for loving me. I mean, just start writing them down. Paul and Silas were in prison in Acts chapter 16, and they started thanking God. They just started praising God, and it changed the atmosphere. There was an earthquake, and the chains fell off all the prisoners, and the gates of the doors of the cells, they opened up, and everybody in the prison was set free. Now listen, I believe there are some people here this morning, you're in a prison of discontent. You're in a prison of want. You're in a prison of not having enough. What you need to start doing is stop following the dictates of this culture and start thanking God for what he's already given you. It'll change the atmosphere of your life. It will. It will. Okay? Psalm, the psalmist said it like this, Psalm 103. It says, may I never forget. First he says, let all that I am praise the Lord. And then he says, may I never forget. Somebody say, never forget. May I never forget the good things that God has done for me. That is so important. That is so important. When Israel would have a mighty conquest, they would set up a pillar of 12 stones. God says, that's a pillar of remembrance. Don't forget what I did for you. After the Red Sea experience, he says, take 12 stones from the middle of the Red Sea and set them up as a pillar. Don't forget what I have done for you. The book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book in your Bible, is really just a big, long sermon by Moses. And over and over and again, right, it's like his farewell sermon. Over and over and over again, Moses keeps telling the Israelites, don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget the Red Sea. Don't forget the 10 plagues. Don't forget how he killed Pharaoh's son so that you could be free. And don't forget that you did this all, not in your own goodness, but because God is good and he loves to love you. Don't forget that. Okay? It is so important that we take note of what God has given because gratefulness changes the atmosphere. Some people come to church, they act like they're doing God a favor. Okay, God, I'm here. You happy? I mean, are you serious? Give me a break. You are not doing God a favor, friend. You are here in the presence of the Almighty Son of God. He is good. He is worthy. He is awesome. And, and, and this week is really just my desire. It's just simply my desire to, to spare you from wantitude and charging it up and dragging out your winter longer than it has to be so that you learn how to be thankful. I want to make a confession. <laughs> I wish I was a better pastor. I really do. So, you know, sometimes I watch the pastors on television and I just get a little jealous. I, I do. Confession time. I think, man, those people are inspirational. They are good. 
And I just say, Lord, I just wish I could be as good as them. Look, I just wish I had the influence of that person. And there is one particular pastor on your television that I just think, wow, that pastor is amazing. I mean, every time I watch this pastor, I think gifted, talented, amazing, influential, inspirational. And I say to myself as I watch this person, I always say to myself, I wish that I could be as good as her. Yeah, her. Oh, oh you, I, know, I know what you thought. You thought I was going to talk about Joel. Amen, somebody? Come, come on, God is good. Amen. Amen. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, I'm not talking about Joel Osteen. I like Joel. No, 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 nothing wrong. I love Joel. He's on our side. I praise God for Joel Osteen. But, but he's not the best pastor in America. I got news for you. The best pastor in America is a female. And I'm talking about Pastor Oprah Winfrey. Love her or hate her, hands down, she's the winner. I mean, you can take, she can take any schlub, bring him on her show, show off his book, and overnight, he's an American sensation. She has that much pull, she has that much influence, and she has a congregation of millions worldwide. I mean, I mean, come on, how many of you love Oprah? Come on, come on, ladies. All right, don't be afraid to lie in church, man. Come on. I mean, say it, say it. Some, some of you men got to stop lying. Come on. You're like, no way am I raising my hand for Oprah. I used to not like Oprah. You know what? I had to give that to the Lord. I did. I, she, I admire her now. I think what, she is influential. This woman can make people do some crazy stuff for stuff. If you watched her show, she didn't have one show anymore. She has a network because one time slot wasn't enough for her. Okay? But she just gave up her show. We all know this. That show's over. Every year she used to do an episode. Maybe you remember this. It was called Oprah's Favorite Things. Yeah, okay. Now I hear you. Like 50 people finished that sentence. I get it now. All right, and she would share her favorite things for the year, and, and it was her Christmas list, and everybody in the audience got everything on her Christmas list. And uh, I just was watching the final season show of that. On the last season, she had her biggest ever Oprah's favorite things, Oprah's favorite things. And she gave everybody in that audience a whole bunch of stuff, but she brought in that audience, and she tricked them all. She said that they were there for meditation, a show on meditation, and then suddenly she rips off her, her outer garment, she's got a Santa's outfit on, and everybody knows they're there for the last and greatest Oprah's favorite things. Now, we're going we're gonna to show you a clip of the response of the church of Oprah. Now, listen, <laughs> listen. When, when you watch this clip, I want you to watch and observe the real, heartfelt, passionate, gratitude of her flock. Let's roll this clip. So how about we meditate on this?
to yourself. It's a long hour, so hold on to yourself. Okay, so let me say, welcome to Santa's workshop. Today I'm sharing some of my all-time favorite... People of God, if those people can get that excited about a pair of Uggs, a $120 bowl of popcorn, a Volkswagen Beetle, future garage sale items, future tag sale and goodwill items, if they can get that excited about what Oprah has given them, I want to know if there's somebody in the church of Jesus Christ that can get that excited about the fact that God gave us his only begotten son. I want to know, is there somebody who's thankful? Is there somebody who can get that excited that we're saved in Jesus' name? Yeah, Lord. Yeah, Lord. Hallelujah! God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. We thank you, Lord. We were nothing and you saved us, Lord. Thank you, God. You love us with an everlasting love. You are good. Oh, yeah. Amen. Have a seat. I mean, that is what I'm talking about. We can't get all excited. This is, this is my heart today. I want you to hear me. Because we'll get excited about stuff that doesn't matter. We, we will turn into lunatics because a pig-skinned oblong ball will land in the end zone for our favorite team. And then the same people who go nuts at the temple that is Gillette Stadium will have the audacity to say, how dare the church get too loud or excited? In my opinion, we got something much more worthy to be excited about. This is better. This is better. I, I, I get so amused at people who come into our church and say, well, you know, that's a little bit too much for me. It's a little too much, all this hand raised stuff, clapping. I don't, you know, that's not my tradition. That's just, that's just my personality. I'm quiet. And listen, I understand that there's people that are quiet, and I understand that there's people that, and there's times, listen, Water Church, there's times where we need to be quiet before the Lord, yeah, but I don't think that any of us are suffering from being too quiet for Jesus. I, I don't think that's our, anybody's problem here this morning, because this is the deal. You tell that same person, you knock on their door tomorrow morning, and you tell them, by the way, just want to let you know, I paid off your mortgage. I'm telling you, they're going to ditch their tradition faster than you can imagine, 
going to strip down naked and run through their lawn for joy because somebody paid off their debt. I'm telling you, this is what Jesus did for you and for me. We had a debt to God for all of our sins, and Jesus paid it all for you and for me. That's good. That's worthy to be excited about. I see see people will get more excited about an unseasonably warm day in November than the fact that their sins are forgiven. When, When was the last time you updated Facebook with, I thank God for Jesus Christ? When was was the last time that you told somebody about what God has done for you? Because you can't contain it. You're filled with the joy of the Lord, and your joy knows no bounds. We need to be people who know how to be faithful with gratitude. Because if we don't got gratitude, we will fall for wantitude and end up in debtitude. I want to look at Colossians chapter 2, what Paul says to the church of Colossae and to us as well. Two verses of scripture from verse 6 and 7. And he says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Everybody's building their life on something. How about you build it on Jesus Christ, the everlasting foundation? Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow. There's that word right there. Overflow with thankfulness. I want you to look at that first phrase because it's so important. He says, as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, so you got to continue in him. Here's the big problem with most Christians. They forget how they got saved. They forget what was the conditions of that exchange. And you get a little bit older in the faith. And unfortunately, many get colder, not warmer. They get less passionate, not more passionate. They get forgetful of the fact that when you came to Jesus, when you accepted Christ as Lord, there are three things you got to remember about that moment. So that when you remember these, this is how you live in it. Number one, when you came to Christ, you brought nothing to the table in this deal. You understand that? You didn't have anything to offer God. You weren't good enough. You never could have been good enough. You didn't clean up your act and then get saved. You didn't find Jesus because you passed the test. The Bible says all of us have failed. All of us have fallen short of God's glorious standard. What's his standard? His standard is perfection. That's the standard. They said, Jesus, what do we have to do? He says, you got to be perfect. You gotta be perfect. You want this thing, you gotta be perfect. And they were shocked, I'm sure, but he said, look, I'm gonna make a way. With my death, burial, and resurrection, I have lived the perfect life, and I'm gonna make a way for you by faith to freely receive my righteousness credited to your account. 
You didn't get saved because you were confirmed. You didn't get saved because you were baptized. You didn't get saved because you were raised in the right family. There are many Americans who believe they are Christians by default. It's like the default setting of spirituality. You ask, well, are you, what are you, a Christian? Well, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not a, I'm not a Muslim. I know I'm not a Jew. I must be Christian. No! <laughs> You had to have a moment where you realized that God did everything, you did nothing, and you came to him just as you were. The Bible says in Romans 5, 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came. And notice that it says Christ came to us. We didn't come to Christ. You didn't find Jesus. He found you. He came and got you. Do you know that from the foundations of the world, Jesus chose you and 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 you. And we are all here a bunch of chosen people, chosen by God's grace. It's, it's, it's not, well, nothing else works, so I finally gave Jesus a chance. No. He came and got you in your mess, in your pigsty, like the prodigal son without a prayer to his name, like the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, spent all her money on every other solution and it didn't work. Jesus came and got her and saved her. You didn't find him. He found you. you now listen, you've got to remember that or you'll never be thankful. Don't lose it. That's why he says, as you came, as you came, as you accepted Jesus, that's how you got to continue in this deal. Number two reality when you came to Jesus is this. When you came to him, you realized, you realized that you were in desperate need of his forgiveness. See, that's, that's salvation. Salvation is when I realize I'm, I'm undone before a holy and awesome God. Isaiah the prophet had a vision of the Lord in his temple and he saw the Lord high and lifted up the train of his robe, filled the temple. And this prophet of God says, woe is me, I am undone in the presence of a perfect and holy God. That's you. That's me. If I, listen to me, let me ask you a question. If a prophet didn't have a chance, what chance have you got? It's holy, he's awesome, he's majestic. And this is what I see. Look, I don't want to question anybody's salvation, but I'm going to question your salvation. Okay? I just qualify that with that statement so it sounds nicer. Okay? But here, here's what I want. I, I see a lot of Christians, a lot of American Christians doing this. They're grabbing up everything that the world can give them, trying to load up their lives with stuff and things and having and so that they can, you know, just be like everybody else in the world. We look just like the world, and then we're like, okay, what, what can God give me to? Oh, eternal life, I'll take that too. Thank you. One, please, one. And, and, and that, listen, that's not salvation. It's not. Jesus doesn't come to be an add-on to your life. He's not an upgrade. He's complete soul makeover. And you can't grab Jesus when you're holding on to everything else. You gotta let this stuff go. You gotta let it down. And you gotta let Jesus not just be Savior, but Lord. Lord. Listen, that means that He's in charge. Some of you say, I don't know why my life is going this way. I thought if I became a Christian, things would work out better, and I don't get it. I'm where I don't wanna be, and things aren't going out the way I planned. That's right, they're going the way God planned. When you said Jesus be Lord, did you mean Lord or? advisor 
Because I found a lot of Christians meant advisor. When I need you, be there for me. That's not salvation. He comes to be Lord. And as you received him, that's how you got to continue to live in him. That's what Paul says. Number three, and finally, when you came to Jesus, and I pray that you have, and if you haven't, you need to. But when you came to Jesus, I pray that this was the reality of your, your, your experience at that moment. Your heart was deeply touched. You, you felt something inside. A change happened. You, you couldn't explain it. All you knew was you felt different. Life as you had known it just didn't seem to matter anymore. Now everything belonged to Jesus. Everything was about Jesus. And when you came to him, that's what you experienced. And Paul says, as, as you did that, when you first came, you got to continue to let God touch your heart. I had a guy, Wednesday night, I was preaching. I was preaching on, on our Bible study, and there was a guy sitting right about there, almost to the back, just staring at me like this. And I'm preaching my heart. You know how I am. I'm preaching my heart. And I was preaching and looking at this guy. I can't help but notice when people are bored. <laughs> so watch out. And I was just thinking the whole time, I was thinking, this, this guy doesn't like me. So I'm done preaching, the service is over, and then he starts walking down the aisle over here, and I'm over here, and I see he's coming to me, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy's going to hurt me. He's <laughs> a big guy. He comes over to me, and he introduces himself. I think, what is he going to tell me? And he says, he looks me dead in the face, and he says, whatever you got, I want. And I said, I said, that's Jesus, man. That's Jesus. You want Jesus? He said, yes. And I explained him the gospel. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by what Jesus did. And I said, you need to say a prayer. You need to accept this into your own life. And I said, do you want to do that? He said, absolutely. Let me tell you something, church. That sinner's prayer was the best sinner's prayer I have ever heard in my life. And you know the sinner's prayer, right? We've, we've done this in this church at the end of the service many, many times. But i got to tell you, I've never been so moved by a heart so hungry for the salvation of Jesus Christ. And I said, all right, repeat after me. And he repeated after me. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> it was awesome. I said, here's what you're going to say. You're going to say, Heavenly Father, I, I believe that I'm a sinner. He said, Heavenly Father, I believe that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And I kid you not. I kid you not. When he said, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, he went, woo! <laughs> it was awesome. It was like he really knew that this was true. And then I said, and I ask you to come into my heart. And he said, and Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Oh, that's good. 
And I mean, I'm telling you, I have prayed that prayer with many people. It was the first time I ever prayed the prayer and streams were coming, streams of tears were coming down my face. I was touched because I saw this guy truly was touched by the love of God. And I, and I pray, you don't understand a pastor's heart, but I pray every week that those hands that go up and those prayers that are prayed are not just lip service. That there's a reality of salvation that's taking part in every heart. And that your life is truly touched, not by me, but by God. And Paul says, listen, he says, remember that? Remember how you received? Remember how your heart was warmed? Remember how you had nothing to offer? Remember how desperate you were? You need to get back to that. You need to be thankful for what God has done in your life. To say, if I have Jesus and nothing else, it's enough. It's enough. 